Hi, and welcome to the Fitness Made Simple podcast, series two. This podcast is specifically aimed at anyone who's looking to improve their knowledge on health and fitness as we break down everything into bite-sized, easy-to-understand content. As always, it's brought to you by your hosts, Ben Mudge and Adam Parr. Let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fitness Made Simple podcast. And today we're going to be talking about how to set up a training plan and the importance of a good training plan. But first of all, Adam has something to say or ask of you. No, we were just going to say for both of us, thank you very much for everyone who's shared the podcast on social media, Insta stories, probably been the main one. People have done loads of print screens, tagged a friends, work colleague, anyone that you feel would benefit from the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and just want to say, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you find it useful, please continue to share the love. Um, on any form of social media and uh, just get as many people as you can into the podcast and if you're feeling super kind we would love um, a rating as well on um, itunes that would be much 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 appreciated and uh, yeah just thank you for all your support so far it's been incredible so we're, we're recording this a little bit later so we, the first episode is just launched but by the time you listen to this it'll have been out for what five weeks or so but we, we are truly blown away by the support we've gotten from everybody. It means so much to Adam and myself, the fact that people are listening to this. Like it, when we started this out, we were just like, it's such a strange thing that it's just Adam and I talking, but so many people are listening, but we just, you know, we just can't see you. Um, so we're talking about training. Now, this is a subject that Adam and I have talked about in the past. We talk about little different splits that you can do. So you've got body part splits, push-pull legs, full body. There's there's a multitude of different ways you can train. And we actually talked about that in season one, episode 39. So if you want to go a little bit more in depth with the different splits, the pros and cons of them all, we talked a lot in depth about those uh, on episode 39. So if you want to listen to that after this, go on ahead. Um, but we're going to get this off with just talking about the fact that, you know, it's, it's in my opinion anyway that there's a lot of talk about nutrition. There's a lot of talk about NEAT and, and what you do outside of the gym. And I feel like training has become almost a, an afterthought for a lot of people um, in the sense that it's not put up as such a high priority as it should be. Now, obviously, training, I've always said it's the kind of easy part of getting in shape and having an, an active lifestyle. It's the fun part, in my opinion. The nutrition and what you do outside of the gym they're the harder things. They're the ones that you require to break down habits. You know, they they're, you know, require a bit of self, uh, self-discipline, willpower. They're all those things. Training is the fun part, in my opinion. It's the bit that you can go in and if you had a stressful day, you can just put your headphones on, listen to a podcast, listen to music, whatever, and you can just focus on the task at hand, which is you're there to break down a bit of muscle tissue in the hopes that you're going to rebuild it back with the correct nutrition, the correct rest, and look and feel a bit better and feel stronger. So we're going to be talking about the best way of you setting up your own plan. So hopefully at the end of this episode, you will have a good understanding of what way you should be approaching your sessions with your, your target goal in mind. So we're going to take this from the most general goal, which is most people's, will be to building muscle tissue. So whether you're trying to lose fat, build muscle, get healthier, get stronger, your primary goal is to build muscle. That's what's gonna be, you know, whether you whether fat loss is your big thing, you should never really be going into the gym thinking, I'm going, I'm going in here to burn fat. 
certainly a great way of thinking about it. So, Adam, when it comes to creating a plan, let's talk about it in a broad sense. Let's look at it in a week. What is the most important thing to consider when you're setting up a plan for yourself or, or for your client, for instance? I would probably start with saying the the program that you're following, it has to be specific to what your goals are. And so depending on what your goals are, you need to work backwards from that and the program needs to marry up with that. So if you are, you know, if your goal is to get stronger on say the big free lifts, you have to have a program specific around that. Now, if you're just copying someone else's program from the internet or you're following someone who thinks who, who, who you think looks good on the internet and you're copying their program, their goal might be completely different to yours. You know, they might not have the same injuries as you. They might not have the same imbalance as you. They might have different gym equipment available to you. Time, the, 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 yeah. the, the, there's endless factors. So the first thing be, before probably everything else we're about to say on this podcast is make sure your program is specific to what your goals are. And, you know, if you're trying to get bigger, make sure you know a lot of the work is hypertrophy work and you you're not spending 80% of your workout in strength ranges and and rest mm -hmm. periods and you know or if your goal is to say run the london marathon this year you know make sure you're not following a bodybuilding hyper hypertrophy split that is completely you know not relevant to your goals yep. so that would be the first thing and you know maybe if you're designing it yourself that should be easier if you're copying someone else's program, just be mindful of what their goals are. Yeah, very well said. The um, the big thing is that you will find people who are just who look at someone on, let's say, for instance, Instagram and copy their exact workouts. And as you said, there's a multitude of factors that come to pl come into play when they maybe design that session for themselves. So, for instance, <clears throat> to give you an idea, let's say I went on someone's Instagram and they put up a full body session, and a lot of their work was in calves. Now for me, I don't really need to train calves that much. I, I was genetically gifted with pretty big calves. So that's already something very, very small that I would be like, okay, so they've got a lot of calf work in there. My calves are fine. I'm going to replace that for something else. It's a, again, that's a very, very small example. A little bit of a flex on my behalf on how, on how, how lucky I was in the calf genetics. I um, think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see I see the example more so like so say like I'll get a female client send me a, an exercise saying oh can I have this exercise in my program or I'll have a guy send me a, an exercise can I have this tricep exercise in my program and it would be somebody who's already developed a physique yes. probably in like the top percentile of the genetically gifted you know the large Instagram following it and they're just doing this one in one exercise it's pretty much just put, putting the icing on the cake of a great physique that's already there yeah Whereas the person who's trying to replicate that, they need to make the cake first yes. <laughs> and get and get better at a lot of other big compound lifts and, and stronger on these before you start worrying about a banded abduction, hips, are, you know, and all the sort of, you know, going to Brett contrast is all work and yeah. et cetera. Um, so let's talk about the, the next kind of big thing you need to be looking at when it comes to creating your own plan or, or following a plan, adherence. It's something I have said, we have said so many times in this podcast, it doesn't matter how good, air quotes, the plan is. If you can't stick to it, it doesn't matter. Even if that is you sticking, saying, okay, I would love to train five days a week. Would absolutely love it. But realistically, I won't be able to do that. Setting, okay, you know what? I can definitely get two sessions in. Now, obviously, if you were training two days a week, 
as opposed to five, your training sessions are gonna look a little bit different. In fact, actually sometimes quite drastically different. And it would make sense to completely change those up depending on how many days you can train. But the most important thing after obviously making it specific to you is can you stick to it? And yeah. the one thing I'll always say is you should never write a training plan as if your week is perfect because no one has a perfect week. You should train, you should write your plan as if you're preparing for the worst week of your life. And if you can get in there and get all the sessions done, regardless of how many it is on your worst week, you are doing well. That is the best way you can set up a plan. Definitely. I like to what I've been doing recently with clients is setting up sort of like, this is your mandatory this is what you have to do in brackets this is your bonus session if you get time so it's like these are your free sessions that you're going to do in brackets if you've got time to get to the gym the fourth time here's your little bonus workout and mentally just framing it as that and calling them different calling it a bonus workout you kind of know you don't have to do that but you know if you know you're on top of work you're on top of family life you can get into the gym boom fantastic or that's when for busy people like a rolling cycle comes into play a lot more so if you've got a split split routine like you've got to hit chest back shoulders legs arms so if you miss one of them you kind of like if you don't train your arms one week you're gonna feel a bit imbalanced whereas if you're on like a push pull legs or an upper lower and so if you can just get to the gym three times one week you might do upper lower upper which is fine because then the week after you go lower upper lower and it just keeps rolling on so rather than viewing what you train in the week sort of zoom out another level and just view how many times you're going to hit that muscle group across a month or across two months or even you know across the whole year yeah which actually might you know my wife amy she said that to me that she goes what shall i train and i was telling her i think you should go and do this and go and do that and and she goes oh i sometimes don't like doing that because i don't feel that i i think she viewed everything in a week so it if she did upper, lower, upper, she'd feel like, oh, surely I can't do that. Yeah. And then I said to her, no, you've like, you got the wrong mindset. Stop thinking about a week. Uh, and she was like, oh, really? She goes, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. And I think yeah. just he- hearing that sometimes just because people a bit more clarity on the bigger vision. Yeah. And again, like what we talked about in the, the last episode about the kind of, you know, the small steps add up. Realistically, that one session is not going to make a huge difference. You need to be looking at things on a kind of macro level rather than a you know, micro level, looking at things in a month, an accumulative month. Okay, so how many times did I train upper? How many times did I train lower? Or if you want to go in a little bit closer, you could say, okay, how many sets did I do for my chest, my legs, my back? That's a much better way of looking at, at program, you know, on the whole rather than like zooming in and thinking, okay, one day. It's, um, and again, ultimately, doesn't matter how well you do on one day, it's how you, well you do over a consecutive amount of days and that collection of days rather than that one really good day. So I think we should talk about the exercise selection a little bit now, so compound yeah. isolation. Yeah, well, I would, one thing before that, I would just add in, obviously if you're talking about the perfect program design and walking into the gym, you should all, there should always be some form of element of warm-up, prep, mobility oh, yeah. type work. Now... It could just be going on the cross trainer for three minutes, five minutes. I like the cross trainer for a warm up because you're using your lower body and upper body, mm. so you're getting the blood blood flowing a bit better. Um, and I think that also serves well for a bit of visualization. And there's a massive. I must have. Meant, I can't remember mentioning it, but I must have mentioned it in series one. Imagine the typical office worker nine till five. They walk into the gym half five. Boom, go straight into the leg press versus someone that gets in goes into the office gets into the gym they spend five minutes on the cross trainer 
they just download all their thoughts. They stop thinking about the office. They stop thinking about everything else. Just think, right, what's today? Right, today's lower body. What am I doing? Okay, I'm going to start on the leg press. Then I'm going to do that. And you just have a, a bit of a timeout, a bit of mental clarity. Visualize what you're going to do and then go and execute it. And that little buffer of three to five minutes, it doesn't, I don't think it needs to be any longer than that, but I think it's a really good buffer to have. Yeah. And visualization is it's super powerful yeah. and especially if you've got a program card and you're following the sessions you know exactly what lifts are coming up you know exactly what you lifted the week before so say you're starting on sumo squats you, you're literally for five minutes you're thinking right last week i lifted 70 last week i lifted 70 i'm i'm going to go for 75 today i'm going to go for 75 and if you keep visualizing it and you keep thinking about it it's a powerful mindset exactly in fact one of my clients checked in this morning and she said that one of her issues was trying to rush her sessions and i said to her you know the part of the warm-up is obviously to warm up the body get the blood flowing into the areas you need to be need to be active in but it is as you said it's partly visual you want to be able to look at your plan so i do every time i'm warming up i'll just set my phone down look at my session be like okay so this is what i did last week and with my app i can see what i did last week and i'm like okay how am i feeling this week yeah you know what I'm going to increase that slightly and apply progressive overload to this. But as you said, there's such a big thing with visualization that it's, it's any successful, you know, sporting athlete, whatever, whatever it is, visualization is key to achieving something. And that five minutes, three minutes, whatever it is you spend warming up, that is when you should be doing, you should be locking into your head. Okay. This is what I'm here to do. Try and get rid of any other thoughts, even put your phone in airplane mode. So you're not distracted at all you're there to perform you're there to execute what you have planned out and, yeah uh, yeah it's such an important role that i think actually i literally posted about that today on my instagram stories like how many people warm up yeah and I, barely like i'd say quite a lot of people skip it i think if, for me one thing that really gets to me is that yeah i've just recommended that you warm up but i think some people take it too far Yes. And, you know, if I see a lot of people, their warm ups are lasting like 20, 25 minutes. And I'm thinking you need you need to go into the if your if your heart rate isn't up after three to five minutes, you haven't been working hard enough. So yeah. you don't need 10, 15 minutes cardio first, five, three to five minutes. That's got your just your heart rate up. Then you want to go into some specific mobility exercises, depending on the session. So mm -hmm. for me, if I'm going in there to train shoulders, arms, triceps, I don't need to be warming up my hips. Yes, I don't yeah. need to be doing any of that. But I often see people going through full body, like, and it's just taking forever. And I'm like, if you're rushed for time, if you're struggling to stay consistent with the gym, get in there, be specific. If it's upper body, warm up your shoulders, warm up your back, boom, warm up your chest. If it's lower body, you know, keep it lower body focused, um, but don't spend too long doing it. You know, 10 minutes, I think absolute max, and you should be good to go. Yeah, I agree. And again, that, that comes to just adherence because if you go in and you're like, oh God, my workout is going to take me X amount of minutes because my warm up's 20 minutes, you're going to be like, screw it, I'm sacking mm -hmm. it off. Whereas if you know, right, warm up, bang, get it done. And again, it's something you will learn. You will learn where you need to warm up more than others. Like for me, it's warming up my elbows if I'm doing any pressing. I always do rotator cuff, you know, if it's upper body, obviously I'll do a lot of rotator cuff movements to kind of keep those nice and warm. If I'm doing legs, I'll do a couple of leg swings laterally and front and back. It's a couple of glute squeezes as well, but again, it's always specific to what I'm doing. I'm not going in to warm up a full yeah. body warm up if I'm going to do squats first, because by the time yeah. I've I finished my squats, my chest is probably tightened up a bit. So again, I'll, I'll have to warm up my shoulders again anyway. 
Um, but again, you know, the, the the first thing we said on this podcast is make it specific, but also with your warm-ups as well. Like if you're starting on squats, warm up by doing some warm-up sets on squats. Yep. Maybe in, in between those sets, yeah, do all, all the exercises some you just mentioned, or, but yep. there's nothing better than just doing a few warm-up sets and, and getting your body used to the, the movement pattern. Yeah. Um, but also for, for for longevity as well of training, you know that element of having the warm up, doing a couple of mobility things, even if you're just doing a few like band dislocates, band pull aparts, face pulls, like shoulder health stuff, that is going to massively increase your longevity in the game. Whereas if you're just the type of person who goes, nah, warm ups are yeah, for pussies, yeah, don't do that, straight yeah. to the bench. Let's see how your joints are looking in five to ten years when you've got arthritis. You know, just being progressive with your warm up sets, looking after your shoulder health, it's it's an investment in your longevity. And if you still want to be in the gym when you're 40, 50, 60, you can't be skipping all those warm-ups all the time. 100%. So should we talk about the exercise selection component of how to build your own plan, compound isolation? Yeah. I mean, for, if I'm talking from like a body transformation physique uh, physique perspective mm-hmm. I, I would always say that after you've, you've warmed up and you, you've done everything we just said the next thing you need to be focused on is at least one or two big lifts per session yeah. and you know if it's a leg day it might be squats and it's the the lift that you record in your logbook you, you know exactly what you lifted on and you have a goal of getting stronger over time and for me if you're not progressing with strength over time your physique is never going to progress mm-hmm. whether you're male whether you're female you should always have strength goals if you're trying to look better you know because you need to be striving to build more muscle and you need to see development on your lifts and if you've been going to the gym for years and some of your key lifts aren't growing with you you're not putting enough emphasis into them and yeah i just i don't like program design wise where you look at the program and it's like you're going in and then maybe you're starting with a hamstring curl or a leg extension and and just like you need to be getting into the big stuff first um and, and really putting all your all your eggs into that and make sure that you are progressing with your strength yeah i totally agree um the the one thing that you do really need to focus on is having those big main lifts now Obviously, squats, deadlifts, bench, overhead press, glute bridges, they're, they're, they're kind of the five ones that I would focus on. That if you're trying to get stronger at those, your, your physique is going to improve. But as Adam said, like if you're going in and kind of winging it and not recording what you're, what you're doing and you're not kind of focusing in on these big lifts, you're going to struggle in terms of changing your physique. Your goal, if you're getting stronger and you're your, your uh, weights are going up and you're able to apply progressive overload to these movements your physique will change which if you're not really paying attention to it you're going to struggle quite a bit and you're going to get very disheartened and I, I also think having a performance goal is very very important when it comes to a program because if you are exclusively going into the gym trying to change how you look aesthetically I know for instance that some days I can look at my physique and I'm like oh nothing's happening whereas then I can look at my logbook and be like you know what nah I actually got stronger on these four lifts or five lifts or whatever it is and that suddenly kind of gets rid of this this um perception of of that I'm not progressing because Mm. it's so easy to look at yourself in one light and be like oh I look good and then you step into a different form of lighting and you're like oh I look not as great and yeah and having those performance numbers and those performance goals can really can really help you in situations like that where your where your brain starts kind of messing with you a bit yeah i think that those 
what lifts you pick as well they don't have to be fixed because for mm-hmm. one person the barbell back squat for, for example if you've ever watched me train i love to barbell back squat but for the next person it just you know they might have poor shoulder mobility and safety bar squatting or uh, front squatting say with straps or something like that might, might suit them a lot better yep. um, bench press is one a lot of people throw out there saying you know what you know bench press is the squat of the upper body you must do it to get strong but Again, I really stay away from it because after I tore my bicep, I've always had a strength imbalance, imbalance between my right and left side. Mm. So if I overexert on a barbell, subconsciously what I do, I'm overexerting on my right side because I'm not as strong on my left. So then I end up with like a shooting pain in my neck or my trap because that muscle is overcompensating. Whereas if I stick to dumbbells, I can just push to failure absolutely fine no problem at all and same you don't really see me military pressing much now but i'll do presses with dumbbells instead you like unilaterally and that's just over the years training smart probably making a lot of mistakes learning from your mistakes and don't get suckered into just because someone's doing this lift you must do that you know it might it might not suit you you know if you've got a previous uh, if you've been in a car crash if you've got a bit of whiplash getting down into the the deadlift position it might just not suit you so just because you see someone uploading a video deadlifting saying what a wonderful exercise it is does not mean that you have to do it you know you might just make a tweak on that lift and you might just do uh, trap bar deadlifts or you might do rack pulls or something similar but that suits you better yeah yeah and don't don't get suckered in yeah i I 100% agree the you need to make not all exercises are not designed for everybody. They're designed for everybody, but nobody at the same time. You need to make the exercise suit you. So for instance, I had a client who was sumo deadlifting and they had, I think they had really long legs and fairly short arms. And they're really struggling to get that back position when it comes to sumo deadlift. So we had to adjust adjust the movement to fit them by just simply putting the barbell and the weights on a little bit of an elevation. So they're essentially achieving the same result, but it's just altering it slightly. And I think that, again, as Adam said, you will make so many mistakes when it comes to training, nutrition, everything. But the most important thing is you learn from them. If you just make a mistake and then you avoid it forever. For instance, I I hurt my back squatting and it put me off squatting for so long. And I was like, but if I take it, strip it right back, I learned what I did wrong. I looked at the video and I was like, okay, my back arched at the bottom there. And then I spent mm. so much time looking at my squat pattern. And again, not everybody can do this. You know, this is my job, obviously. So I'm going to look at things a little bit more analytically than some people, some other people. But if there's exercises that you're scared of or you're unsure of how you're doing, you know, what you're doing, maybe set up a camera, film yourself, see, see if you can pick out what's going wrong. If you can't, just swap it out for something else. So if you really hate squatting, do not put it in your plan, if especially if it's the first session, because it's so easy to go down and look at your plan and go, ah, oh, squats, I, I, I'm probably just going to skip today. Put yeah. an exercise in there that you, you whilst it's going to achieve the same thing, but maybe you enjoy it a little bit more. So it could be just, it could be a leg press. Again, it's relatively the same motion. There's some obviously pros and cons of both, but if that's going to make you go down to the gym and get that session done rather than having squats at the top, perfect that's fine it's obviously it's going to improve your adherence to it as well isn't it exactly Mm. and again that's something that comes with time you you will learn what exercises you enjoy what ones you don't which ones benefit you which ones maybe are a little bit more difficult for you and and again the the one thing i will say is that so again to give you an example one of my clients uh, sent me a video of them doing a stiff leg deadlift now a stiff leg deadlift is 
quite a complex movement for a beginner to get and sometimes even intermediate. His form wasn't right and I thought right. The amount of time it would take us to coach him into the right position and get everything sorted, blah, blah, blah. We could have been spending time just doing hamstring curls instead and developing his hamstrings that way or you know, swapping it out for a different movement. So don't feel like you need to have certain movements in your plan, as Adam said, just because someone on Instagram has it in theirs. So Adam's obviously altered his sessions due to what shoulder, bicep, you know, all mm. these all these um, issues that are specific to Adam. But just because Adam doesn't military press doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Yeah, you you, you like a military press, don't you? I see you. I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's um, it's just it's it's one of those ones that again, you, I have had a, had shoulder issues and stuff, and it's taken me a while to kind of get used to it. But it's um, yeah, I've had to strip it right back, and that's the one thing I've done quite a lot in my career. Um, <clears throat> is that I'll pick up a little injury and I'll be like right let's regress this let's go right back to basics let's go light and get it right and you know focus on just the bar let's just focus on getting this bar path correct and again but that's something again I'm quite analytical yeah, it, when it comes to my training no, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's interesting because that's like flipping perceptions isn't it because you know I have a lot of people who will check in and say oh my God, I've injured this I've injured that and it's super super negative and mm-hmm. it's just like flipping the perception it's like okay you've picked up an injury let's turn this into a positive use the failure as a bit of a feedback use the injury as feedback okay that lift doesn't suit you you're not going to do that again we'll make this alteration now you've just used that as feedback for the rest of your lifting now you know how to do it yeah. um, and you know even if if you've got an upper body injury rather than being devastated that you've got an upper, upper body injury get excited that you can now do more lower body work lower, exactly. you know if you've got an ankle injury just think right well it's arm day every day <laughs> yeah. you know just just flip it there's always a positive in every negative always, and i always. think i've always experienced well i'm probably like it myself as well maybe been a bit hypocritical but people always do get very negative when they pick up an injury but 95 percent of the time there's always a way to work, work around it yeah, and this the, again, perfect example of this is that um, when some of my CF clients have to go in and get IVs, the IV goes in the inner arm in the elbow pit, and it's a long line that tracks all the way up their arm. And essentially, it takes this arm out of commission. So I have now built in a leg session or leg focused session that means that they can still train even when they've got the long line in. And again, being in hospital for two weeks, not fit, you know, especially if you've been doing so well. Being able to not not having to stop because of this thing in your arm and having legs, you know, just two weeks of legs, my clients absolutely love it. The fact that they can just work around it, and as I said, yeah, or as you said, like it's it's there's always ways of working around things. Mm-hmm. Always, it's just the way you. Again, it comes with experience. It comes with just knowing. But again, it does come down to kind of your mindset and your approach to things, which again, mm-hmm. that's that's very personal yeah so let's uh, talk a little bit more about the kind of compound isolations let's give people a really basic overview of what compound versus isolation is because again we're saying it because we obviously know what it is because it's our jobs but compound is basically a multiple joint movement so compound movements would be bench press dumbbell or be- dumbbell or barbell shoulder press basically it's a movement that requires more than just one muscle to achieve the lift so a bicep curl would be predominantly an isolation movement, a tricep extension, a leg extension, a leg curl, you know, they're isolation movements. And whenever you're going to the gym, especially if you're pushed for time, it doesn't really make much sense for you to be focusing 
a lot of your efforts on isolation movements because you're always thinking of you're in there to make investments and your investments you're trying to get as much as you can from those investments or get a return on those investments compound movements typically would be where you would want to spend most of your investment because they are going to hit multiple muscles they're going to require a lot more energy to repair and recover therefore you can increase the amount of food you consume happy days you're also just going to stimulate a lot more of the muscle you know for instance the full body which is what i've been running now for this is now my 11th week of running full body five days a week the amount of energy that is required to do that is much higher than if i was doing an arm day or a shoulder day or a chest day or a back day or a leg day and the response that i've had from it again this is just me personally has been fantastic it's probably been the best response i've ever had from from a training split but again i've been training now for 14 years and i've done nearly every split that you can possibly conceive of and adam i'm sure you you're the same yeah i was just working out when you just said that i was thinking how many years i've been training for um i think you must be what you're i'd say you're i'm close to 16 17 i must be older than you i must be older than you think um (laughs) i i used to when i was too young to get into the gym my parent my i used to get my mom to lie so she used to sneak me into the gym (laughs) and uh, so that was i was probably lifting when i was 15 years old um so yeah i'd say 19 years but your training age is is something really important and, and a topic on its own that people don't talk about it enough especially when you're comparing or mm-hmm. looking at certain looking at someone's physique like certain looks in physique take take time like muscle maturity muscle yes. density muscle memory sort of things and and some people if say someone's been training for like a decade plus there's certain an aesthetic look that they will be able to achieve that you simply can't if you've been in the gym a couple of years and yeah. I think some sometimes people get very very impatient, impatient with training, the way they look, with the nutrition, with the dieting. 100%. You know, impatience is is people's biggest downfall. And if you are, say, you know, under three four years of training, understand that that is very early mm-hmm. in your lifting career, and it is going to take time to build that underpinning strength and muscle maturity. Um, but you know, so again, it's just comparing yourself to the right people, being patient, play the long game, train safe, but train hard. Yeah, it's mm. um, you're you, you're 100% right about the patience thing. It's something that if you could give to people at the start of a you know session, just literally a, a tangible patience, here you go, it'd be fantastic because again, social media doesn't really help with this. The fact that people are constantly looking at other people's physiques, comparing them to themselves, and most of the people you look at as as inspiration have probably been training 10 plus years you get the occasional genetic freak who's been training four years and hit puberty and then you know developed a lot of muscle tissue but again adam said earlier like it's you're looking at the very very small percentage of people but again they're the people who get a lot of attention because they are freaks and that's just the way the way the world works you know we we don't want to look at something that's just normal we want to look at things that are incredible i mean adam's got a picture of arnie in the background arnie was not a regular person his genetics were incredible his work ethic was incredible comparing yourself to arnie (laughs) is pointless like it's just it's entirely point it's a futile effort or but yeah comparing yourself to anyone else and 
not knowing how long they've been training yeah it's huge and patience is such an important aspect when it comes to any training plan that you need to give it the time to work a lot of people constantly jump back and forth they won't follow a plan and i think that's kind of another theme of this episode is that follow a plan be patient on that plan give the you know in my opinion you should be following a plan between four and six weeks before you think about changing anything now you may make little tweaks you maybe you thought you picked an exercise okay i don't really feel it so for instance for me overhead tricep movements i put them in my plan just i just can't get them to i can't feel them whereas really i just never overhead it must be the length of my arm love it yeah yeah so i find a movement that i can really feel my triceps working so i swapped it out but generally speaking you should be sticking to the plan for at least four to six weeks before you start altering it and what i would like to then say after that is you don't need to completely change everything a lot of people will then go okay i've done six weeks of this i'm going to change everything i'm going to change the rep schemes i'm going to change the exercise order i'm going to change the exercises you can change just little components of each you could even just keep the same program and maybe just change the rep schemes see how you adapt to a different form of rep schemes and now adam said it earlier hypertrophy which is just the growth of muscle tissue typically speaking is between 8 and 12 reps that's kind of the golden standard of if you're looking to build muscle tissue that's where you should be however there's a caveat with that that's where you should be the majority of the time not all the time you should be able to dip either end of that so sometimes you should go as low as maybe four reps other ends you could be going all the way up to 20 or 30 reps just to change the stimulus a little bit but the majority of your movements, if you're again, your goal is to build muscle, should be within those ranges. Yeah, I think as well, like people always do what they enjoy doing and they sort mm-hmm. of get comfortable. And people go to the gym, and well, I don't know people have been doing the same routine for years. And yeah. you know, say it's say it's leg day, they do the leg extensions, they do the hamstring curls, they do the leg press, but they're working the same rep ranges all the time. Yeah. But you should always be striving to get strong in multiple different reps, rep ranges. So if you've mm-hmm. always done the leg press and you always do 10 to 12 reps, Bump it up do, to 15. Do, 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 do 20 reps and oh, suddenly yeah. you, you, you might go, wow, that was incredible, that felt really good. Yeah. You know, on arms, if you're always doing 10 reps, try and, try and do 20 reps, mix it up, you know, but mm-hmm. on exercises... When sometimes you are doing higher reps, try lower reps or try the tempo slower, you know, and I'm always tweaking with that. The, the other one that found the other day, well, two examples that come to mind. One was the rear delt machine, just the standard pec deck and reverse. And I just switched that up to four second negative. So I did probably heavier than what I would normally, but then just slowed it down negative. And I just found that my, my muscle connection doing four second negatives on that was like, wow why have i not done that before because i would always generally program rear delts for 12 to 15 reps with a drop set quite high reps and then when i found when i did sort of 8 to 10 but heavy but slowed the negative down i was like wow that feels incredible the day after i felt it in my rear delts was like i've really stimulated the muscle differently to how i normally would and the other one i did was uh, seated hamstring curls i would normally always do sort of 8 to 12 rep range Mm -hmm. try doing 20 reps on that thing oh my days it's it's just like it felt incredible you know like a painful sadistic horrible way and i was just like why have i never done a 20 rep set on a seated hamstring curl before it felt really good and i just think you know people always stick to the same reps and scheme and sometimes just flip it on its head 
and, and see how that feels. Sometimes the only thing I'm not a fan of that with, I always feel with like squats, deadlifts, Dead, big lifts yeah. like that. Yeah. I view those exercises as things you should get stronger. Mm-hmm. And so I'd always be doing like five to ten reps type thing. Yeah, you're not going to be doing and, endurance and I, with a deadlift. And, but again, yeah, it depends where you are in your fitness journey because if you're, uh, say, in your first year or two years of training, if you do a 20 rep set on deadlifts, it might get you a little bit out of breath. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're, say if you're lifting like 50, 60K for 20 reps, it might get you a little yeah. bit out of breath. And then, like, two minutes later, you go on to your next exercise and you're having a chat straight after. If you ask someone who's been training for a decade who's got a good amount of strength, go for a 20 rep set on deadlift and they pull like 180 for 20. They've got they're like on the floor after asking for a defibrillator. Yes. You know what I mean? Like they are fooked, and the central <laughs> nervous system is fried. They, they don't want to do anything else in the workout. So the 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 same workout on paper could be completely different for two people depending on your strength, experience, and how long you've been in the gym for. Yeah, one hundred percent. The again, the, what I said there about the rep ranges for hypertrophy. That is for general population so if you're always sticking to that you don't know you may respond better to higher reps again it's all so specific there's no the frustrating thing with what we were saying is there's no definitive answer to anything it all comes down to individualism and and making things fit for you as an individual let's say for instance i get really good results in my back from doing 20 reps that doesn't mean that 20 reps is going to work for someone else because i have a different first of all, different structure, different genetics, different muscle makeups. And again, something we won't go into this too much, but you've, you've got different types of muscle fibers within every muscle belly. Some respond better to certain reps range rather than others. And again, that comes down purely to genetics. The best example I can use of is there's always, whenever you're in primary school, there's always kids who were just fast as hell. They probably have more fast twitch fibers in their genetics than you did. If, you're, if you weren't one of the fast kids, but that's the kind of best way of thinking about it. There's always kids who are fast, just always one on sports day. Robbie Crichton, <laughs> he's the guy I always kept asking, you know, at sports day in my ear. But again, it's totally, totally dependent. So, you know, play about with those rep ranges. 8 to 12 is kind of your sweet spot, but but play about with them. And as Adam said about the, um, the compound movements, I, I agree 100% squats with high high reps deadlifts high high reps bench press you're kind of straying into potentially injuring yourself if you're trying to achieve something like that and again one of the primary checks in in a program design is injury prevention it's 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 so important there's a massive difference between going to failure on a leg press Mm -hmm. versus going to failure on a squat 100%. 100%. You know, though, you've got so many stabilizing muscles, your back, and all these things to push a squat to absolute failure is just not smart, in my opinion. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I failed a squat because I never take it to complete failure. I'll yeah. be damn close, but I won't take it to complete failure. Whereas a leg press, it's, you know, you're on the seat, you've got the stoppers. If if you don't Everyone press the last rep, not, not much yeah. is going to happen. It's gonna, As long as you've got the stoppers in the right place, yeah. it, it's completely different. Um, yeah. So make sure if you are going to, like pushing and going to failure is a very, very good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but just make sure you choose it on the correct exercises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything else when it comes to program design that is, you know, people should consider? Well, so we've, yeah, talked well, about, we've talked about specific to them. We've talked about adherence, obviously creating it so that you 
are able to perform it because that's the most important thing. We've talked about exercise selection when it comes to compound isolation. We talked about a couple of other things in there, but I think the last thing we should really mention is because we could go into so much detail in this, and again, the, the title of this podcast is Fitness Made Simple, not Fitness Made More Complicated. Progressive overload. That'd be the kind of last thing I would would say is a key component to a good training plan. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I've got one more little thing, but you, you talk about oh, yeah. progressive overload quickly, but and then I'll okay. finish off with, with what I want to say. and then. So progressive overload, very, very simply put, is the idea that you are trying to beat your last session. Now, there's, there's a multitude of ways of doing this. A lot of people think, oh, I have to increase the weight every single time you go into the gym. Not strictly true. There's a couple of variants of how to apply progressive overload. So you can either go for an extra rep. So if you're doing 10 reps, three sets of 10 reps, the next time you go, you try and get 11 on the first set. And then even if you get 11, 10, 10, you've still improved. You've, you've applied progressive overload correctly. You can then think about applying tempo to your lift. So as Adam did, he slowed down the negative or the eccentric part portion of the movement. That is again, another way of applying more stress to the muscle and applying progressive overload. Or the third one is then increasing the weight. Again, increasing the total volume of your session. And that's what you're looking at when it comes to progressive overload. It's the the total figure of volume in, in your lift. So you would take the weight that you're using, the amount of reps that you perform, and then the amount of sets, and you add that up, and that will give you your total volume. Your goal, let's say for instance, that target comes to, or that, that number comes to a thousand, a thousand kilos or whatever it is. Your goal would be to just increase that to slightly more than a thousand. It could be 1,010. It could be 1,002.5. It doesn't matter. It's just keeping those numbers moving up and up and up. Again, not always being too concerned about, okay, I got an extra rep in there or I increased the weight. It could be something as simple as Adam said as, as just altering the rep schemes. But again, progressive overload, massively, massively important. Mm. Even add a pause in. That's a nice one as well. Oh, yes, yeah. it's a nice way of progressing, but keeping the weight the same. That can also help with longevity as well. Like if you get too obsessed with just continually getting stronger and stronger and stronger, it's going to take a bit of a beating on your tendons and joints over time. Whereas yeah. if you slow down the eccentric, if you add in a pause, um, you're going to be able to progress without putting so much stress for your for your joints. The last thing that I was going to say is just having the ability to, if you are following a program and you've got a set plan just having the ability to be honest with yourself and sort of auto-regulate when to push and when to pull back. And I think it's a very fine line between not being a, you know, knowing when you feel good and that's when you really push it. But if you're feeling, if you've been ill, if you've been feeling under the weather, just knowing how to adapt a training program um, and train smart, there's nothing worse than feeling pretty drained. You, you feel awful. Then you go into the gym and you try and lift what you lifted the week before. You end up 10 kilograms short or a couple reps short and you end up walking out the gym with your tail between your legs thinking, oh, that was awful. Yep. Um, you know, that's when you need – it comes with training for years. You walk into the gym and you just sort of – I did an infographic, didn't know that scale yourself 1 to 10 of how you feel. Yep. And, you know, if you're – so I say out of 10, if you're like a 1 or 2 out of 10 – I would actually suggest you do a 180 turnaround, go home and just rest, recover and make sure when you do go to the gym, you're actually putting in a good workout. Um, But if you walk into the gym and you're like a three or four out of 10, 
you may be, you look at the workout on paper and you think, oh, do you know what, I just haven't got that in me today. I'm just going to swap that out or I'm just going to do one working set instead of three working sets mm-hmm. uh, and adapt the program. That is smart training. Yes. Um, whereas if you rated yourself, say, five, six, seven or more out of ten, just go for it. Get it done. Um, chase that progressive overload that Ben just said. But it's a really, it's a skill. And I think a lot of people get it wrong a lot of the time. And a lot of the yeah. time it can, you can leave the gym feeling a lot worse than, than when you walked in and it's it's looking at sort of a mesocycle of training and being like right i've been flogging it now for six weeks it's time to just have a deload week and mm-hmm. you know there's multiple different ways you could do that you could drop your volume you could just drop your intensity however you do it you could have a complete week off however it works for you but again view the whole year 52 years you can't go into the gym and just hammer the gym no matter if you're the type of person that loves the gym you are going to burn out if you just go in there every week and just try and air quote smash things all the time and get PBs. You've got to learn to back off because sometimes doing less will just lead further down the line to you getting stronger and doing more. Exactly. I said the other day that out of 10 sessions, two will be shocking. They'll they'll suck. You'll be like, oh, I'm just glad I got those done. Between two and eight will be just okay. And then probably one to two will be amazing. I think adjusting your expectations, knowing that can really, really help you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much you, for listening we, to this episode. <laughs> we, can, we can edit that, can't we? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I think you're better at wrapping up than me. So how did you just finish then? Uh, basically just saying about the 2 out of 10 being great and knowing that can, can really help. So I just think you, you just say if you say right, I think that wraps it up. Thank you for listening. I can edit this, no problem. I'm getting quite good at editing. I'll have to edit that part out where some guy randomly. I actually edited this the other day where you know the where I was typing for ages. I cut it and just said, "Ben here, just apologising. This took away longer than we expected. I'm just I'm doing you a favour and just we took oh, this nice. And I was like, back to me, back to Ben. Here we go. So I could do easy stuff like that now. So, um, okay, ready. Uh, Shall do, do you want me to lead you off into it? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So knowing that it can be, it can be really helpful knowing that, you know, two out of your sessions are going to be good. Yeah, de- definitely. I agree. I think that's a good place to finish it up on. Um, yeah. so yeah, thank you again to everyone for listening. If you've made it this far to the end and just a reminder to finish on, if you've got any questions, episode 10 is going to be a Q&A thank you for those that sent in some questions last week on the Instagram we've got them just doing a print screen and keeping them all in a folder so any more hit Ben up at Ben, ben. Mudge underscore yeah, or myself it's at Adam James Parr um, or the Fitness Made Simple Instagram if you don't follow already please give us a follow it's underscore Fitness Made Simple cheers guys cheers